When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. To play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, we are back baby for another Wednesday edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Coming to you live on YouTube and on any TV app, because we're officially live now on TV. We got that all figured out and squared away. All I got to do is download the Fox TV Network app on any TV device or put on your mobile device, cast it when you go to BellyUp.tv, and download us after the show on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys today. A lot of things going on this week. I've been running around with my head cut off, and I can't keep up, but it's a lot of excitement. A lot of things to get to. My, I'm joined here with my co-host, Chris Dauhauer, and, of course, our intern, Danielle, producing the show. How's it going, Chris? Going pretty well. Really excited. Talked about running around with your head cut off. Uh, we got a big weekend coming up ahead of us. We have the Fantasy Football Expo that we're heading out to. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this show during the show, but that's what I'm getting ready for. So between football and fantasy football, I can't get enough. How are you doing, Danielle? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to hear you guys debate today. Yeah, we usually do, uh, and uh, what, what we have in store for let, let the people know what we got in store for today first. We are going to be talking about the best five, bus five, and sleeper five running backs. And whenever we do that, there's usually some good debates, and I have some pretty interesting names on these lists that we're going to talk about throughout today's show. So, Danielle, we'll see you real soon, and we'll keep make sure you keep tabs on the two of us and uh, keep track of who's winning these debates for us. Thank you. Okay, Chris. So, like I said, we got a lot we got to get into. I do want to kick it off by saying tomorrow we're going to be live at our normal time at 10 o'clock on YouTube on BellyUp.TV. But 
it's not going to be our typical show. We're going to be doing Arrival at the Expo. We're going to do the show live from the hotel room. Adam LaRue, your other co-host from Belly of Fantasy Live, will be joining us because he'll be he'll be running in at that point as well. So we're going to have him there, and we're going to go over what the itinerary for the weekend is, where you're going to be able to find us if you're coming out for the weekend, and what we got going on. Plus, we'll, we'll have the second half of the show be some of the latest NFL news happening around training camps and things of that nature, too. So it, it won't be all just fluff. We'll have some football stuff to talk about, too, but a lot of things – we're really excited about. That's all coming to you guys tomorrow at this time. But let's get into today's show. So we got the best five, the bus five, the sleeper five running backs. Always a heavily populated show because everybody needs to know what to do with all these running backs. Let's start off with our top five. Let's work from our bottom up. So my number five on my list right now is Najee Harris. Now, here's the thing about Najee Harris, okay? He has a great workload in front of him. No, that's, that's number one. He also has been kind of getting risen on. So early in this process, people were trying to find reasons I felt like to knock hairs. Like, oh, he's inefficient. It's a bad offensive line. We don't know how it's going to work differently under the new coaching staff. And all I could think was, I know how Pittsburgh works. I know how Tomlin works. It's get one guy the ball as much as they possibly can. They just had the offensive coordinator come out or the running backs coach, I should say, come out and say they want to try to get him seven less snaps a game. Okay. He still outsnapped everybody else in the league last year. Even if they were to do that, I don't think it would matter. Right now, his ECR rankings at RB6, his ADP rankings at RB5, so I'm right in long line with the people. Chris, is Najee Harris in your top five? He absolutely would be, and I think that he can threaten to be in the top three and all said and done. We have a guy who has not coming off an injury like a lot of the other guys are hasn't had any concerns about him having his weight workload kind of scaled back. You kind of alluded to how asinine and finally needs seven snaps. What's that going to do for people who love to have an RB1 in today's world? Uh, I think when you have an unquestionable bell cow running back and a young bell cow running back with no mileage on them, basically for one year, you ride that as long as you can. And usually those guys are going to be in the top five. You saw Jonathan Taylor make a, a gigantic jump last year to the number one as showing really strong promises his rookie year. Why can't Najee Harris, a guy we know can be involved in the passing attack and the running attack, so no matter what kind of score is going on in Pittsburgh, whether they're a good or bad team, is it going to matter, matter for Najee Harris? I think that, you know, sky's the limit for this guy. And I think top five is definitely where he belongs. All right, so I'm glad we're in agreement there. Here's another guy that not everybody is on when it comes to being in the top five, and that's that's Dalvin Cook. Well, I got him at number four. Now, his ECR ranking right now, he's sitting at RB5. ADP has him at RB6. We're nitpicking here. We're not far off. But I got to tell you, I'm really excited about Dalvin Cook having Kevin O'Connell as a head coach and bringing that Rams-like system, that Sean McVay-like system for a guy who has been criminally underutilized, especially given his skill set in the passing game. All I keep thinking back is to when they had Todd Gurley. Now, I know since then it's been a little bit hit or miss as far as the system goes, but when they had Gurley, he got involved a lot. It wasn't just because Gurley was on the ground, because he was. It was because he was also heavily involved in the passing game in an offense that should be built to score maybe even more. So I love Dalvin Cook. I have a number four. I don't care about the two to three games he's going to miss throughout the season. First of all, it's no different than any other running back to begin with. But in his case, if you do get Dalvin Cook, just mark it down 
on your ADP, on your cheat sheets. Go to bellyupfantasy.com, download our rankings, download those cheat sheets, and just say, you know what? Maybe make sure you get Alexander Madison around earlier than what his ADP would be going because he's the one guy who's got a clear-cut handcuff who can actually provide you with the production you're getting at your starter anyway, or at least close to it. So I'm not worried about it. What about you? Yeah, I totally agree. I think Dalvin Cook's been forgotten about. Everybody's super excited about this Viking offense and the passing attack. They forget Dalvin Cook can catch the ball out of the backfield. Guy, as you kind of pointed out, been criminally underutilized in the passing attack since he's gone into the pros. One of his big things coming out of college was he could do do it all in a sense. So this will actually help the injury-wise, taking less in the hitting, less hits between the tackles, maybe more opportunity in space and getting some touches that way. So if you're only getting you know, 15, 20 rushes versus, you know, and maybe five or six catches, you don't need to be that bell cow per se running the ball. So I'm excited for Dalvin Cook this year. Talk about lining up on the slot, lining up around in the field. You're going to have a lot of mismatches in Minnesota. So I think Dalvin Cook's got his guy limit, another guy who deserves to be a top five. So this this next guy that we're going to talk about, I think this might this might start a little bit of controversy on social media. We'll see how it happens. Make sure you give us a follow at BillyFMDFF Show. Always interested in your opinions, even if they're wrong. But Jonathan Taylor right now is sitting at RB1, both ECR and ADP. Everybody wants him at number one. I got him at three. Again, yes, I totally hate Jonathan Taylor because I have him at three and not at one. I believe Frank Reich when he says that he's going to get Naeem Hines back involved, especially in the passing game. Look, they, they paid him too much money for him to suddenly dis- disappear anyway. And last year, I think it had a lot more to do with circumstance and the type of offense that they were running with Carson Wentz than it did anything else. Now, while we've talked about we're not super excited about the Matt Ryan edition, we question whether or not that's an upgrade. I think we both agree that them running a system similar to what they did when they have Phil Rivers is more likely, which includes more shotgun, more checkdowns, which includes more Naeem Hines on the field. I think it's, it's able to take away from him just enough that I knock him down to my number three. But you know what? Am I too low? I, I don't think so. I have him kind of going back and forth myself with that. And just to kind of clear out, you know, the air in a sense, Jonathan Taylor was number one running back after Derrick Henry got hurt last year. And when Christian McCaffrey was playing per game, Christian McCaffrey averaged more points per game. So that's why probably you have two guys higher because when they actually are out in the field or producing, they were out producing Jonathan Taylor, despite your kind of concern, maybe with Naheem Hines stealing some of his touches. And I understand that kind of concern. More the talk has been that they're hoping to have both of those guys out more often. Hines will be kind of utilized as a hybrid guy, a guy that can use it in the slot, a guy that can have there and have both those guys in the backfield at points. Yeah, I know. But let me cut in on that for a second. How many times do we hear coaches talk about, I'm going to get both these running backs on the field at both times, and how often does that really ever happen? What, where I will say is one of the coaches who does a good job of that historically has been Frank Reich. But you go back to the Chargers days, he had, you know, he had Sproles. He also had Danny Woodhead. He was sprinkled in there with Ryan Matthews. When he was in Philadelphia, he did a very similar head scrolls again. Um, but guys, he's able to kind of make sure there's a, there's a rule for everybody and still kind of fed that, that bell cow back per se. So I, I think Taylor's going to continue to get his. I think he can easily finish, you know, in the top three. I, I, I doubt that he's going to kind of have the season he had last year because, as I pointed out, it was mostly through attrition and the fact that he was one of the guys who was remained standing while the other guys were banged up last year. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. Uh, you mentioned one of the guys that I have ahead of him and why. Derrick Henry's at my number two. ECR ADP, they both have him at the running back four. Everybody looks for reasons, I feel like, to bring down Henry. Oh, it's not that great of an offensive line. We don't know how good the Tennessee offense in general is going to be with A.J. Brown shipped out. He's getting older. He's had a lot of touches. He's not that involved in the passing game. 
blah, 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 blah. There are some guys who just transcend. There are some guys who are just built different. In the first eight games last year, it was no contest who the RB1 in fantasy football was, and it wasn't close. It was Derrick Henry. And it wasn't always uber efficient, but he always got a ton of volume. We had Brian Scott on the show last week to talk about the foot injury and how he's not concerned about it and not concerned about it being a recurring injury for Derrick Henry. So I wouldn't be either. That's why he comes in at my number two. Again, I want to clarify, this, we're talking about halfway PBR when we talk about this show. So in halfway PBR leagues, I still have my number two overall. I'm not worried about it. I have him down for 23 targets. That would still be amongst the high end for him. I love Derrick Henry. Give me at number two. Give me the beast. Absolutely agree. As you kind of pointed out, was number one running back by far through the first eight weeks. He was still a top scorer through week 10. So just to kind of give you the you know a perspective of how far ahead this guy was, he was definitely blowing everybody out of the water. And this this narrative that he's not involved in the passing attack kind of went out the window last year. We saw Tyler Downing absolutely used to utilize him in the passing game. And don't forget, A.J. Brown struggled at the beginning of last year. Well, and missed games. I missed a handful of games. It, it didn't. It didn't matter. Like we'll, we're, we'll talk about that next week when we get into the wide receivers because I'm excited about guys like Robert Woods. I'm excited about guys like Traylon Brooks, and I think they're getting written off a little bit because yes, AJ Brown's a stud, but however, he wasn't always available. So we'll get into that more next week when we talk about our best five, bus five, sleeper five wide receivers at Wednesday night at 10 p.m. on YouTube and BellyUp.tv. But I'm not going to sleep on the beast. I'm also not going to sleep on Christian McCaffrey. He's my RB1. He's the RB2 in both ECR. Well, in ADP, he's RB3. And I get it. I get why people don't want to make him the number one. He's burned him two years in a row. I understand. We had, again, when we talked to Brian Scott about the soft tissue injuries, like it can be worrisome as you get a little bit older. They can reoccur. However, they're utilizing Christian McCaffrey a little bit differently. They're not working as hard in training camp. They're going to give him that Veterans Day off during the week that he wasn't getting before. I think they're doing things in preparation to make sure he's going to be able to stay a little healthier. He's changed up his regime, his workout regime, again this year, getting some advice from players with the had those issues earlier in their career and were able to overcome them. I'm willing to place my money on a guy that when he's healthy, his floor-to-ceiling ratio is higher than anybody else in fantasy football. What about you? I 100% agree. I mean, when you look at this guy... Basically, yes, the last two years you've struggled, and I can understand people being kind of gun-shy and I'm going to take a number one. If, yes, you're trying to play safe, then you probably aren't winning a whole lot of leagues this year. I think Christian McCaffrey, as you pointed out, is the guy as a stud that's in your lineup. When he's out there, he produces. His duds are like most guys, you know, RB2 production, basically. So when you have Christian McCaffrey, a guy who basically has an unsinkable floor, a huge ceiling, and I actually think it might be a little bit of a blessing that he's been out the last two years a lot of touches that a guy hasn't had on his body for the last two years. These injuries that he had are kind of soft tissue injuries, kind of random injuries, aren't things necessarily because of usage. So this should be a fresh, motivated Christian McCaffrey with two quarterbacks that check the ball down all day, every day. I'm excited for Christian McCaffrey this year. Yeah, and I have to say them getting Baker Mayfield just kind of, it kind of concreted the idea in my mind to make Christian McCaffrey the number one guy because He's better than Sam. I don't love Baker, but he's better than Sam Darnold. I will trust he'll move the offense a bit more consistently. I don't think Baker's case, you know, they're going to bench him halfway through the year like they had to do Sam Darnold looking for guys off the street because he was just playing so poorly. I don't think it's going to happen here. And I think the addition of Baker Mayfield along with a healthy Christian McCaffrey and 
let's not forget a coaching staff with everything on the line because if they don't find a way to make the playoffs or at least make it real interesting, Matt Rule's already my number one coach on my chopping block heading into the 2022 season. So they're going to be going all out to win every week. I like Christian McCaffrey. Now, I will say this. If he burns again, then no. I will not have him be number one next year, no matter what his floor-to-ceiling ratio is. I'm not crazy, but I'm just putting out there one more year. I'm willing to take just, that ride. And just to kind of follow on that, let's not forget, part of the reason this guy didn't play was because Carolina had nothing to play for the last two years as well. So they were kind of being overly cautious with him as well and trying not to rush him back. So I'm not too worried about Christian McCaffrey being an injury-prone guy. All right, so we we, bro- we we breeze by our top five guys. That typically happens. There's not as much to talk about. There's a lot to talk about when we get into our bus five. Running back bummers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We're going to go from five to one. And we talked about this guy during our team profile series throughout the summer. And I've I've gone through, I've double-checked the algorithms, I've I've put in more variables. And unfortunately, because I love this player, DeAndre Swift is still my number five on my bus list. His ECR is at RB8, his ADP is at RB9. I have him ranked at RB17. That's right. I'm at a mid-level. You could even say to a low level, more like a mid-level RB2. I love Swift. I love that he put on weight. I love that he has a focus this year to try to play through pain, which may have been an issue, according to Dan Campbell, in the couple years past. And the Lions offense looks like it's getting better, but part of that could be the detriment of a DeAndre Swift. The one thing that made this guy great is that you're talking about a guy who's getting, he was like Alvin Kamara-esque. He's getting five-plus targets every single week. What happens now when you have an established St. Brown, a healthy TJ Hawkinson, a DJ Chark who's better than anything they had outside of St. Brown at receiver last year? Oh, and by the way, at some point this season, most likely a Jamison Williams to kind of sprinkle all of that into a mix. Now, I'm not saying DeAndre Swift's not going to be utilized, but let's also not forget that Jamal Williams is still getting paid a decent amount of money and is still going to be involved. And that's the big caveat. This is not a player who has unless it's due to injury, has the potential to come in here and get 75-plus percentage of the running back total workload. This is not what's going to happen with DeAndre Swift. And when you mix in all those other factors, I think it's just enough to make him a mid-level RB2 or at least somebody who I'm not willing to take in the top 10 in that first round. I think there's other guys I'd rather go with who have more solidified positioning in what their totals are going to be and are just, if not, more talented. But, hey, you know what, Chris? Am I crazy? This is a little difficult. I mean, we had this discussion before about DeAndre Swift and where we kind of stand. I'm not as down as you are on him. I definitely think he can smell or is very close to having RB1 production. Um, I think the key, as kind of you alluded to, is going to be how how much usage does he have. But I think health is kind of like where my concern. I'm not so much worried about the targets or the touches. I think that you want a better offensive lines in football. The PFS greatest best offensive line ranked right now. 
You have an offense that basically was kind of discovering itself last year, but we kind of traced it back. You talked about Alvin Kamara. I traced his, you know, lineage back this a lot of this coaching tree back to New Orleans, and Drew Brees threw for a lot of, a lot of yards, and yet the running backs still were productive, such as Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. So you can feed multiple mouths. You can have a top five running back without like Alvin Kamara was back then, uh, but I do see some of the you know, some of the barriers you kind of alluded to. I think the toughness is going to be the key part. When DeAndre Swift's healthy and he plays, and he's not kind of allowing his not playing at the optimal ability, so it kind of allows him to not maybe get into it as much as, as you kind of alluded to. Maybe this happening last year or two years. I think that's going to be the key for him. If he can kind of make sure he's out there game in game out, I think this guy can live off of even 12, 13 touches because his explosiveness, the fact that you can't key on him now with all his extra weapons that you kind of pointed out. And I think you're going to have an offense that showed you some, you know, inclination to have pace and, and ability to kind of get their, wep- their weapons the ball. So I like all those things for DeAndre Swift. I think he'd definitely be in the top 12. I don't necessarily, I don't like his, you know, ADP right now. I can't take him in the top 10 myself, as you kind of alluded to. A lot of other more established guys who I like, like an Aaron Jones, for example. But there's other guys that, you know, I think he could definitely be in front of a Javante Williams. So there's where I kind of have, you know, split hairs a little bit. I don't have him as far down as 17, but I can't necessarily say he should be the top 10. Well, I mean, I don't have Javante Williams on my list, but just to give you an FYI, I do have him one spot ahead of Williams because I have Williams all the way down to 18. I, it's, it, I, look, bus is a strong word when it comes to this type of player. I mean, cause when we're talking about a bust, it's not necessarily a guy that I'm going to, you're going to draft DeAndre Swift and he's going to lose your league. No, he's not a bust in that sense for me. And would I be shocked if he got in the top 12? No, absolutely not. But I think there's enough red flags where I can't take him in the top 10. I can't take him as a borderline first round pick. There are too many caution flags to suggest that you might get more of an RB2 level, which would be a disappointment for where you're drafting him. Something just to kind of keep your eyes on because there's a lot of running backs kind of packed into that area, that tier. And I want to make sure you're not taking the guy who's not paying off dividends. And right now, Swift to me has too many red flags. And I'm glad you mentioned the injury thing. That's the other aspect of this. He hasn't played a full season yet in his career. Maybe the added weight, maybe the added focus on the toughness thing, maybe that'll come to fruition. And if that does, I think he'll finish in the top 12. But that's going to be the key, I think, moving forward. But let's get into our number four bust, which is Damian Harris. Now, his ECR right now, RB27, his ADP is even higher than that, RB25. So people are valuing him as a high-end RB3, and I am not with the public. I am not with my fellow expert consensus rankers. I'm at RB34. The biggest reason, and we might get this into this in the next segment, is because I love Ramondre Stevenson. But I want to save that for a little bit later in the show. Damian Harris himself, he lived on touchdowns. He had 16 of them. That was what propelled him to having an RB2 fantasy status last season. We already know, out of the Patriot running backs, he ain't the one going to catch the ball. They've pretty much made that clear. Whether he actually could or not, is irrelevant. He's not going to be the one to do it. So he has to live on touchdowns. He has to live on beating out Ramondre Stevenson and staying more efficient and having more of the hot hand because he's coming for him. They're probably not going to bring back Damian Harris. Ramondre Stevenson probably is more of the future. And if they see that crack in the armor, Stevenson might take over sooner rather than later. And this isn't an offense that I'm expecting a ton of points out of to begin with. So I'm not big on taking Harris higher than a low-end RB3. How about you? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I understand that Damian Harris is still going to have some value. And even if you slice those touchdowns in half, let's say he gets 8 to 10 touchdowns, which I think is plausible, I think he's still going to have good value as an RB3 or 4 possibly in your lineup. But, 
as you kind of alluded to, this isn't about where you're kind of, you know, what they're going to be on the field. It's about where you draft them and kind of wasting your capital and spending too high. I disagree with you. There's a lot of players where Damian Harris is going off the board that I would like to, you know, value more, or you may pass on adding a maybe receiver or even a quarterback there, and then maybe going for another running back who's maybe farther down the line than he is. So I think that there's definitely signs that he's not the future for this team. He definitely is going to still be involved in the early downs. I think that's to be expected. They do like him. I mean, he's guys average over five years per carry the last couple of years. He's he is a guy who is a very physical runner, isn't a scrub out there by any stretch of the means. So there is room for him to eat. Um, I just think it's the problem you as you kind of pointed to, it's gonna be a lot of dependent on game uh flow. Are they gonna be in the game? If they fall behind a game, he's not the pass catcher as you alluded to, he's not the pass protector as you alluded to. So he gets kind of forgotten about in those kinds of games. But they did make an effort to make sure he got the ball involved. I can see him getting, you know, 12 to 13 carries per game, but as an RB3 drifting him there, I can't do it. Um, I think his value is decent. I think he's definitely probably preferred in the 30s, but I think, you know, he's not too far down the ECR. I mean, too far up, I should say, in ECR. What about Rashad Penny? He's my number three bust. His ECR rankings at RB31. His ADP's at RB30. I got him down at RB37. I'm putting him outside of my top 36 i'm putting him outside just outside of that rb3 range more into the rb4 range now when it comes to recency bias rashad penny should have his name right there in the dictionary next to that word i get it he had a hell of a run that nobody saw coming towards the end of last season it was a bad team chris carson was gone and somehow rashad penny who hasn't been super productive whenever he's even been on the field Something looked like, you know, a monster out there. So everybody gets swept up in it. I understand it to some degree. And it was good enough that Seattle actually wanted to bring him back on a one-year contract, one-year prove-it deal, let's say. But they drafted Ken Walker, who, frankly, I'd rather have in, in redraft, not just Dynasty, obviously, but in redraft leagues. He's got more upside towards the second half of the season. They spent a second-round draft capital on him, which means they're going to want to see what he has. He's got a longer-term future already locked in with Seattle because he's a rookie draft pick, and Rashad Penny's working on a one-year contract. And Penny's never stayed healthy for more than half the season. So I don't see why you get super excited about Penny. If you draft him, you have to do it with this idea that you try to capitalize on him in your in your flex spot and hope that he's far enough ahead of Ken Walker to start the season that he's getting enough of the workload to then be able to trade him off before he inevitably gets injured or falls off or falls off to the wayside. I'm not excited about this offense either. Geno Smith, Drew Locke, please. A lot, a lot left to be desired. So I don't get why Rashad Penny is going as this mid-level RB3 flex play guy when really his draft capital should be more of an RB4, in my opinion. But what do you think about Rashad Penny, Chris? Yeah, I'm not as down on Rashad Penny as you are, but I understand your points. I think he's definitely not the, you know, the, the answer for them long-term at running back. He's going to start splitting carries sooner than later with Walker. I expect that as well. But I think Pete Carroll uh, will tend to use one or two of the three running backs if he can. And I think you're going to see these guys get their opportunities. Rashad Penny, I think, is going to probably get start off the, the season as the starter. will probably get a decent amount of the share of the carries early on. I think you're not going to see a clear role for anybody because you know Walker is the known for his pass catching per se. So I think you're going to see kind of other guys being sprinkled in that in that situation as well. Penny will have a chance to kind of shine if he can do it. So I think overall, looking at a guy that you're probably going to have on your lineup, you know, four to six games, four to six, sorry, four to eight games over the season. You're hoping to get maybe RB3 potential flex options. So I, I see where some of these guys are going and some of the things that you're talking about. I totally agree. But I also think that, you know, having a running back for 
four to six games right now in fantasy football is what you're looking for for that you know third or fourth running back option sometimes. So I that's think all you're looking like, for. I'm looking for a hell of a lot more than that. Out of my I mean, last year, look look at the last year how it kind of finished, Dan. I mean, you have to think about. John, I talked about Jonathan Taylor kind of being number one through you know attrition, but after you go through that top five, you start getting to number five. You start realizing how many guys were hurt last year. How many number one running backs were not productive last year? How many guys were splitting carries? And why you're looking and scrounging around for a backup running back? To right, but those are guys that you're pulling to replace those guys. You're pulling them off the waiver wire. If you want four to six games out of a running back, you're pulling them off the waiver wire. I'm not drafting them in what's going to have to be the sixth, seventh round of drafts. Sixth, seventh round. I think Rashad Penny going that high is absolutely too high. But I haven't seen him going that high. I see his, his ADP farther down than that. So I, I was a little, you know, that, that's definitely too rich for my blood. But I saw him going more around that 9-10 range where you're looking for that extra depth, and that could be a guy that you could have in your lineup for the beginning of the season. I mean, yeah, it, it all depends on where they're going, right? That, that's what we talk about all the time. No one's really a bust. No one's really a sleeper. It all depends on where they're going, what their value is when it comes to that sort of thing. But I just like Kenneth Walker. I mean, we, we got a couple of minutes before we hit the break here. What do you think about Kenneth Walker this season? Because that's a big reason why I'm not as high on Rashad Penny. I love Walker, and I think, like I said, I think he's ultimately going to be the guy, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy during that playoff stretch for fantasy owners. But you're going to see Rashad Penny get an opportunity. He is the more physical back. Walker, from what I understand, is still kind of working on some of the nuances of learning the pet protection, for example, like I said, still learning some of the schemes where to cut back kind of little, little things. While Rashad Penny has been there for a couple of years, while he wasn't always active, he has been part of the Seattle you know, team for a while, is familiar with the offense. And then if you look at kind of Sean Waldron coming from that Rams tree, when he was there the last time, when we saw, you know, Todd Gurley move on, like you kind of hunt Ludu to, they kind of used that try backfield where you saw Henderson and Akers' rookie year kind of get mixed in, kind of, a, you know, different guys having different roles. This is what I kind of expect this year, where you're going to have Penny probably utilized probably a 60 to 40, you know, 60, 50, or even like a Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams was last year. I think we all want Walker to be the starter, look like the more talented guy. I think Rashad Penny, as long as he's healthy, isn't going anywhere. Look, I totally agree with you on, on the pass protection part. Kenneth Walker, he was not put in a position to have to have to pass protect, and we know that because everyone's remarked to how he doesn't have the receiving stats. No one really knows if he's actually a good pass catcher or not because he wasn't asked to do it in college. So it's gonna he's going to have a longer learning curve. It probably will be later in the season by the time he takes over. But there's, there's no question in my mind who the more explosive, more talented running back is. And once he's competent enough in that area and probably by then Rashad Penny will be hurt anyway I expect Walker to take over and and frankly never look back so as, as yeah good as is gonna say real quick I think there's gonna be plenty of volume Seattle's gonna be quite committed to running the ball they're gonna hide the quarterback with all their might so and we saw you know past Seattle teams be very run oriented so that's just kind of keep that in mind Oh, Gino and Drew Locke. The saga continues. Quick, we got like 45 seconds before the break. Is there any chance the 49ers actually cut Jimmy G to let him walk to Seattle? Or they're like, no, we will make sure we hold on to you and trade you just so you don't wind up in our division rivals back house. I think that they're going to hold on to him until cut days from what I understand. But unfortunately, they're going to have to wait about week four to six when Seattle does sign him and ultimately starts him and wind up costing them the playoff spot. That's my prediction. <laughs> Oh, you got to love it. All right, what we're going to do is take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to finish off our bus list with our top two bus players, and then we got our sleeper list to get through, and we'll have a lot of conversation about that. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. 
Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor has the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 20% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. True Classic doesn't just stop at tees. They are your one-stop shop for men's essentials. Super easy and simple to fill out your wardrobe. From polos and workout shirts with the same flattering fit to boxer briefs designed with a pouch to keep your bulge nice and comfortable. All their gear is top-notch quality at reasonable prices. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100 and 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, we're back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and get those notifications on so you know whenever we have new content. We're also available on TV, bellyup.tv on your web browser app. You can cast it to your television sets, or if you have Samsung, LG, Roku, just go download the Foxy Network app, look for the Belly Up Sports category, and check us out there. We'll be live there whenever. If you're driving along, and we're, we got a big road trip tomorrow, Chris, uh, you might want to download some of your favorite podcast app, too. I'm just saying. you got a lot of episodes you get caught up on if you haven't been listening so far. Because I know a lot of people tune in now. They, they tune in now without, that when we're into August, trying to get all the information, trying to get caught up. We had a huge team profile series for the entire summer for you guys to go ahead and check out. And give us a five-star review because we could use it. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with my co-host, Chris Dowhauer. Danielle's in the background producing the show, doing a great job, as always. We're talking about our bus running backs right now. We got to finish up the list. And like I said with DeAndre Swift, you know, bust is a strong word. I feel like we kind of we kind of have to get away from that word, but it does grab, you know, it grabs people. We we're, we're trying to grab people's attention so they'll actually listen to us. But it's more about disappointment from where you draft them to where you value them based on whatever variables or algorithms you you use. Even if you like the player. I love this player. I do. I, I think he's got great upside. I think he's got tremendous talent. I think he could do have more of a workload that people give him credit for, at least at some point in his career. But James Cook is the hype is too strong. <laughs> the hype is too strong on James Cook right now. 
His ECR is at RB38. The ADP's got him at RB40. I got him down at RB49. Look, guys. Like I said, I love explosiveness. Love the offense, of course. The Buffalo Bills score all the time. But Devin Singletary's not bad. And if anybody had Devin Singletary, he probably helped you win a championship last year. You probably already know that. With Zach Moss out of the equation, he took over and did a great job. He's going to be the starting running back. He's at least going to be the first, second down guy. He's at least going to be the goal line guy. I don't think there's any question about that. So you're like, okay, well, we like James Cook's explosiveness, his versatility, and we think maybe James Cook will be the third down pass catching back, the two-minute drill back, and an offense that passes the ball a lot. Cool. I'd like to remind you guys what happened when everyone got excited about Clyde Edwards-Alaire being on an offense that was pass first, but forgot that they don't check the ball down that much. Josh Allen, I don't know if you notice, he doesn't really throw the ball short all that often. He's got that big cannon. He likes to let it fly. So I don't know how many opportunities, even if he gets that role all to himself, he's really going to have. So ultimately, I got him at RB49. I think you're asking too much if you think he's going to be a borderline RB3. But Chris, where are you at on James Cook? Yeah, I, I, that's, that's a little tough. I, I definitely agree with everything that you're saying, that the hype is not meeting you know, the kind of what the eye test is. And also the situation is, you know, they also brought other running backs in. There's not just this is the only guy they have in this backfield. So and even Zach Moss is actually getting good reviews somehow in practice again. So he might even be part of the rotation. Um, there's lots of people remain to be seen with Ken Dorsey and how these backs are going to be utilized. I think you're going to see many many of these guys out there kind of getting back to what Babel had done before, where he's not a clear-cut guy. I think Singletary kind of established himself as having at least earned a good part of that role. Uh, but I think other parts of the role will kind of be split up, as you pointed out, with third downs, maybe short yardage, different things. They'll kind of have different guys, personnel groupings. Uh, talking about Cook using him in the slot, moving around as a weapon. This is where I think this is where you're talking about Naheem Hines and kind of the weapons. This is a coaching staff that we haven't seen utilize a guy like this yet. And we haven't seen Chase Cook, you know, only being a rookie, what he can kind of bring to the table. I don't like the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comp too much because I think it's a different situation. This guy's not going to be the starting running back or possibly it's being in discussion as being the starter. But I do think the hype is that this guy's so explosive, you just got to have him on your team. And I think that problem we've seen over and over all over that guys who are just kind of weapons have rarely been productive on the field, especially fantasy-wise. We saw this because Chanel tried to do that. We even had Tony have it. Until Tony was a starting receiver, his role was very diminished as an opportunity for him to kind of do anything fantasy-wise. So that gadget player and them kind of getting the production that you're looking for, especially in the half-point PPR league, it hasn't really been there for James Cook to be a guy that you're looking for your RB3. Yeah, and look, I mean, you're a fan of James Cook like I am, right? Like, I love the athlete. I love the player. Yeah, I'm not – I will I will admit I'm not as high on him as necessarily as you are, but I do think I see the situation. This team definitely was looking for a pass-catching running back. Obviously, they're trying to sign, sign J.D. McKissick. They brought in Duke Johnson. They're looking for some kind of options in the backfield, um, but they also drafted James Cook and made it effort to do so. But he is a rookie – a lot of other mouths that are feed and all the other guys to break out this year, especially you know, the receiver Gabe Davis, for example, how is James Cook also going to break out? There's too many guys expected to be breaking out in Buffalo's offense for me. That's kind, of, that's kind of where I see it. And I agree with you that there's just too many guys expected to just blow up this year. They can't happen. I think, I think when you're looking at it from a redraft perspective, I think you're, you're too early on cook. I think dynasty wise, it'll be great next year. We'll have a different conversation. Let's get to my number one bus guy. And that's Antonio Gibson. And I don't have him drastically lower than, well, I, pretty sizable when you consider where it's going. ECR, RB22, ADP, the public, they, they got him as a top 20 running back right now at RB19. I got him at RB29, and even then, I'm just like, eh, I still don't know if I'd actually take you in the tier 
of the other players I have in that range anyway. Look, I don't, what's the ceiling? What is it? Is there one? That's the main problem here. Ron Rivera's talked about for all summer as a three-man committee now. At the very least, the fumbles from last year have haunted Antonio Gibson to the point where I think Brian Robinson walks in day one and is truly the goal line red zone back. We know J.D. McKissick's going to have his role. That, that That's not the question. So Gibson's not going to be involved in the passing game the way we want him to. That already went out the window last year, and once they brought back McKissick again, they're not going to change that. It's been successful for them. So Gibson's what? He's the Miles Sanders of this offense. Everyone gets excited about Miles Sanders all the time, but what happens? He doesn't catch the ball as much as he should, and he doesn't score touchdowns. Well, guess what? That's what Gibson's become. He's become the running back between the 25s and not much else, and it's going to leave you with some good amount of yards, a good amount of overall touches, but not enough fantasy points. So don't waste your time taking Antonio Gibson as a top 20 back. doesn't make any sense to me. That's my number one bust. Chris, what do you think? I think you should be even harder than you're being on Antonio Gibson. I think that he definitely doesn't seem to – I don't think he belongs in the top 30 in my book. You talk about some other guys you don't like, like Rashad Penny, for example. Rashad Penny, to me, has a higher ceiling, a higher floor than I see for Gibson. This guy was highly inefficient, not just fumbling the ball, but just efficient running the ball, period. They added an early down back, as you pointed alluded to. They added a pass catching back. So where does Gibson kind of fit in? Uh, you're the what of the offense? Rex Burkhead back in the day for New England. Maybe you'll maybe you'll have a game or two where you catch the ball and run the ball. But if you don't have a clear cut, you know, place for your identity, and people have been killing Carson Wentz for the last few years, I think a little bit too hard. But for not checking the ball down in the backs, you know, it's when Naheem Hines kind of struggled supposedly last year. Well, then where's Gibson going to get his volume from? This offense line isn't good. So all those different factors that you add into it, I see no reason to draft, draft, spend any kind of draft capital into Gibson. If somebody gives them to you during the season, great. Otherwise, this guy shouldn't be touched in my book. Glad we're in agreement there. So those are our bus guys. Those are the landmines that we need you to look out for. Make sure you don't fall into them. Like, like, like we like to say, take a drink, let someone else make that mistake. That's what you do when it comes to those bus players. Let's talk about our sleeper guys. Let's talk about the guys that are going to make you look like a genius, the guys that are going to help you win your leagues, and the guys you're going to get for cheap, or at least cheaper than you realize for the production that you're going to get. Let's go to our number five sleeper on the list. And there's been some news about him, so this will be interesting, but let's hit the sleeper sounder first. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Tyler Algier. ECR right now, RB53. His ADP at RB52. I got him all the way up at RB40, and I'm going to be looking for reasons to push him up even farther than that as soon as we get some more confirmation on what his role will be getting closer to week one. But I feel pretty confident that it's going to be Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson getting utilized as the main two backs in this offense. Just look at the depth chart. I think we're done with the Quadri Allison of it all and all those scrubs that belong on practice squads. I think we're over that. Listen, Tyler Algier, he's not an awesome athlete, right? But he's a pretty good athlete, and I think he's a better one than people give him credit for, and he's a more all-around back than I think people realize, too. He is a three-down guy. He did it in college. He does have the build to be able to do it at the NFL level. I expect him to at least get the Mike Davis role and maybe be a little bit more efficient than Mike Davis was with it. So with a guy who could be looking at a pretty good workload 
with a coach we know wants to use the running backs on an offense that's going to be designed around RPO with Marcus Mariota back there. Why are people sleeping so hard on Tyler Algier? I don't care that he's listed as the eighth back. You know what kind of load of crap that is? What Arthur Smith does with these rookie guys? Don't read into that. What are they buying into, Chris? Or am I missing the boat and pumping him up too high? No, I'm definitely a Algier fan. The guy was second um, in the country last year in explosive plays. That's 20 yards or more running, rushing attempt, rushing plays. So definitely there's explosion there. Guy's only been playing running back for about four years now, so he's still kind of in learning position. Um, I think what you're seeing right now is kind of people not really knowing what to kind of expect from Atlanta backfield. Everybody's kind of looks at Cordell Patterson, saw what he did last year. They're a little bit worried about him. You know, was he going to steal the carries? They see Damian Williams getting first team snaps, so maybe he's going to be the guy. I with you. I think ultimately it's going to be Algiers, kind of that main early down back, especially the first you know two downs. I don't know if he'll get a third down role yet. Um, I think Cordell Patterson kind of has that by as his and Damian Williams has got a history of doing that as well. So I think both those guys have a role on this team in the offense. But I think ultimately, Thayer has a lot of promise, especially with a mobile quarterback, as you alluded to. A team's going to use a lot of RPO. And if you just look at the coach, uh, didn't he kind of help Derrick Henry become what Derrick Henry is today? So, Certainly yeah, the volume. Um, I think there's a good chance that maybe the guy who is a hard running back who's young and they drafted is his coach's pick, not a leftover from previous regimes, has a good chance to play sooner than later. So we're in agreement there. So let's go to number four, Darrell Williams. Darrell Williams right now, really surprising how low he is considering he had a pretty good run at the end of last year. A lot of people started to kind of take notice, but his ECR is at RB56. His ADP is at RB57. I got him ranked at RB43. He's a decent back. And he was what I would call a handicap plus running back, a handcuff plus running back. Where it's like, yeah, you have somebody in front of you, and do you have the upside, of course, if that player gets hurt to get a lot of that workload? Yes. But he's more than just that. James Conner's not going to come in here and take 80 to 90% of the workload. It might be 70-30 at best. We know Darrell Williams can do a little bit of everything that Conner can do. He can run versus second downs. So he's pretty effective in the goal line. He's good in pass protection. He'll be utilized that way, too. So even if Conner's going to be like the main man, especially to start off the season... Here's the other factor. When's Connor had a full year under his belt that he's been able to play for and hasn't missed a chunk of games? So Darrell Williams, the very least, I think is vital if in redraft leagues you draft James Connor number one. But number two, he's somebody who has a bit of upside who right now, if I'm drafting as my RB4 late in drafts, or you can wait to get him at his ADP right now at RB5 and I'm getting RB4 level production, I call that a win. I call that a sleeper. That's why he's my number four. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a little different. I was high on Williams, and I agree with you. He had production last year. This guy could do a little bit of everything. Seemed to have a clear role. Then Eno Benjamin seemed to kind of catch, you know, King, Cliff Kingsbury's eye this offseason, lit it up during the you know, spring camps. Or, I'm sorry, summer camps. Has been sort of the talk of the town. Still the guy who's been getting most of this other snaps other than James Conner with that first-team offense. So I think Eno Benjamin seems to kind of be lined up as that next guy. But I agree with you that if anything happens to James Conner, Williams is the guy that I also own because I think he has a clear role to be that red zone guy, that guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything. He re, he replicates James Conner's game a lot. So for me, I kind of agree with you that he has got super value where I'm not necessarily drafting him as high, but I'm looking at him as a guy that I definitely want to have waiver priority of or trying to maybe pick up a little earlier than everybody else is kind of sniffing around at. Because I think when you look at the guy, you talk about Conner not being healthy, he replaced what James Conner does to a T in my book. 
And I think that's where I like his value at a lot. Well, and that's where that's where I push back on the Eno Benjamin stuff because I think if Connor goes down, it's not Benjamin who replaces him. It's the no, but you saw Chase Edmonds last year, the last two years. So you saw Edmonds kind of be that second guy. Eno Benjamin does a lot of things Chase Edmonds does. So that's where I think they're going to be the tantum backs early on. So it's kind of hard for me to draft a guy who I don't have a clear role for early on while another guy is playing. But I agree with you. Once you know Connor gets hurt, he'll be awesome to have. I just don't think Benjamin is really nearly as talented as a Chase Edmonds. I don't think he's going to be that effective. I know he's been doing well in training camp, and good for him. There's a reason he's still third on that depth chart. I don't see that changing anytime soon, and I'm not really a big believer in the, the quote-unquote explosiveness of an Edo Benjamin heading next season, but we'll see. I do buy into Darrell Williams, though. Let's get into our number three guy. I'm going back to the Atlanta Falcons again. I'm going to Cordell Patterson. Now, this is surprising to me because Cordell Patterson is somebody that typically I'm the one who has the red flags on. Typically, when a guy like that who's been a journeyman player has a season like he did in 2021, everyone's high on him. Everyone's like, oh, man, he came out of nowhere. It's finally clicking. And, and everyone went the other way, where it's like, oh, he's a journeyman, but it took him until he's 30. Like, this doesn't happen very often. I, I feel like it's usually me. But now it's driven down his price tag to the point where his ECR is at RB34. His ADP is at RB43. I got to write to my RB24. Yeah, I have him as a low-end RB2 heading into this season. Do you think his role is going to change? We talked about Tyler Algier, and I'm big on him. But still, he just takes over the Mike Davis role and maybe is a little bit more efficient at it. Cordell Patterson was the best offensive player they had last season who's not only going to get carries, but he's also going to be a big part of the passing game, especially a big part of the checking down passing game, who does line up at wide receiver at times. That role's not going to change. And from what I could see, everyone's going to talk about he's 30. Well, like, well, come on. He doesn't have the touches of a true 30-year-old, first and foremost. And did he look any less explosive to anybody last season? He didn't to me. Not expecting him to this season either. Oh, and by the way, after he had the ankle injury, he was still getting double-digit carries every single week and still producing. Why are people sleeping so hard on Cordell Patterson? Why are they sleeping on this Atlanta offense in general? I, I, I don't understand. Was Matt Ryan like – was he God the last couple of years? And I just missed out on the whole you know, memo because <laughs> it seems like Matt Ryan's out of town and suddenly Lance offense, nobody can be, nobody's touchable. Um, I'm with you. Once again, we talked about the running quarterback, a system that fits a good running back. Cordell Patterson showed you what he could do last year in a limited capacity, not having to have to be a bell cow. It was, you know, kind of tits on that you got that added to your situation that Cordell Patterson wound up getting, you know, lots of tough snaps. But if he gets 15 to 16 touches a game or, you're going to be sitting there pretty as heck crap for RB2, RB3. Cordell Patterson is being criminally undervalued. Talk about a guy that's obviously important to this offense. They're making sure they're keeping him fresh. They're not utilizing. Coaches don't do that for a guy they don't plan on having a role for to utilize. James Cook gets all this hype because he might catch the ball out of the backfield. Cordell Patterson will catch the ball out of the backfield. It's being told our coaching staff's watching you and showing you how important he is to this offense. And then add the fact that I think it helps him having somebody take all those kind of heavier touches um, from him. This guy's going to be great in his hybrid role. I talked about other hybrid players kind of struggling, but when you have a coach that shows you that he knows how to use the guy and has already done it, then I'm willing to make that leap. So Cordell Patterson to me is is a definite steal. And I just have a couple of numbers for you. I can throw match throw at you real quick. Um, one of the guys that I'm not a huge fan of when talking about our bus was Tony Pollard, where everybody just loves Tony Pollard and, you know, seems to be stuck on that he's going to be Zeke's replacement at some point. So Tony Pollard last year had one 20-point game, 
Um, he had four games where he scored over double digits in a half point standing screen PPR. Rashad Stevenson, one of your sleepers, was who's going below Tony Pollard, had two of those games, four double digit games, and five less games than Tony Pollard. And then 10 spots below Tony Pollard is Mr. Cordell Patterson, who played in nine games, averaged double figures last year. And had two games where he scored over 20 points, including a 29-point outburst in Week 7. So you put all those things together, a guy who's shown you upside, a floor, and production versus these guys who get the hype. Patterson's done it. I'm going with the guy who's done it. Well, and I'll add this, too, because a lot of people want to bring this up. They're saying his touchdown his touchdown rate was too high last year. I agree. It's going to regress. But even if you regress it down to an average which I've already accounted for, you're still talking about a guy who's probably going to get you between the receiving and the rushing somewhere between 8 to 10 touchdowns. That's his range. That's what he's looking for, even with a reduced touchdown rate. I'm not worried about it. I'll Give me Cordell Patterson, and if you can get him, like I said, the ADP publicates him more than, than the expert consensus ranking is right now. If you're getting him as a back-end RB3, which right now is highly plausible, uh, you got to jump on that all day, every day. That's a value I don't want you guys to pass up on. And in some ways, you can use them as running back or receiver. So, yeah. Well, that's kind of going away, actually. Um, The ESPN moved the running back. Yahoo did the same. Sleeper did the same. So, I don't know. There's two. I'm not sure. There's a few here or there still. Yeah, there's a few here or there still. I'm not sure if drafting DFS-wise, maybe they'll still have them be both. But that is moving away a little bit more and more where he's becoming more of a running back. But there might be a few still out there. Let's get to my number two sleeper, and that's Marlon Mack. I am way higher than him than the my fellow expert consensus rankers are. They got him all the way down at RB54. His ADP is at RB48. I got him at RB44. If there's one guy, I, it, granted, it's Houston, and I don't really want to attack Houston too strongly, but if there's one guy I'm going to bet on, it's going to be Marlon Mack. I know Damian Pierce gets some of this love. I I'll admit it. I wasn't a fan of his coming out of Florida. Wasn't a fan of his in college. So maybe that's part of my bias there, why I'm not giving him enough credit to have a more sizable role. But I do believe it's going to be Marlon Mack getting the first crack at it at week one. And I remember Marlon Mack. Pretty explosive player if he's back to being healthy. He's a year removed now from the Achilles injury, and all reports in camp have been that he looks pretty healthy out there, that he's back to being 100%. Is he the guy who's going to get you know a huge workload? No. But on Houston, what did we see last year? The only way they could stay competitive was to try to run, 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 shorten up games and control the clock so the other offenses didn't necessarily get the score on them. While it's a different coaching staff, quote-unquote, it's still going to be ultimately the same scheme primarily with Pep Hamilton. Marlon Mack's my guy. If anybody's going to make something in that backfield happen, it's going to be Marlon Mack. And people, I think, he's a nice little steal when you're talking about a guy who's going to an RB5, and he can kind of slip in there. And that's why he's my number two. Yeah, I like Marlon Mack. I definitely hope he does well. This guy has a lot of potential to kind of get a bounce back. As this situation, for me, I'm just trying to avoid in general. I understand that you can kind of find value. I think the offensive line has definitely improved from last year, so there could, should be more than, like, you know, two yards per carry. But Rex Burkhead's still in the mix. They bring him back. He's still listed as a starter. You have Pierce, a guy, the young guy they kind of like, is listed as an option. You have Marlon Mack, who's been getting second time. You know, <coughs> excuse me. Second, splitting second team carries. Uh, but also some first-team carries with the first team with Rex Burkhead. But overall, this offense isn't going to score enough points, and Pep Hamilton has a history of utilizing multiple running backs. 
I think there's going to be too much cannibalization of these different guys. We kind of saw this last year with Ingram, Lindsey. A lot of guys you wanted to get in your lineup, David Johnson, but it just seemed to kind of never pan out. I hope Marlon Mack has a nice stretch. I just can't draft, spend any draft capital on the Texans' backfield yet. Well, I'm still talking about RB5. We're talking double-digit rounds at that point. I'm willing to take a shot on a guy who I think has the skill set and a pathway that he could emerge as the overall guy. That's all that that's all I'm saying there. And I think he's in a better spot than most people are giving him credit for. But I want to talk about my number one sleeper who I absolutely love. And I'll probably bring Danielle on in just a minute to be able to talk about this guy too. Ramondre Stevenson, ECR, RB thirty six, ADP's at RB thirty six, and I said, uh uh-uh. uh. He's my RB twenty six. And as soon as Damian Harris goes away, he'll be even higher than that. Look, Ramondre Steam is the first of all, I love this guy coming out of college. Nobody wanted to talk about him. They're like, oh, oh, he's a big back. Oh, he's slow. I'm like, clearly, this is where numbers and tape, this is where you need to watch the tape. Because the guy is nimble on his feet. He's got excellent balance. He's got excellent power. And he showed last year he's got plenty of explosion, especially at his size, to compete at the NFL level. All this talk about, they've been letting him catch passes. Now, I think it goes a long way that Bram Bolton's gone and James White sounds like he may not really be able to return. So now I can actually believe that Stevenson will be allowed to catch the ball and actually have that role. But not to be mistaken, he's still going to be in a pretty close 50-50 split, maybe 55-45 split when it comes to carries with David Harris because he's a big boy and he can do that too. He can do all that stuff too. And he's going to be the guy that they want for the future of this team. Again, like I said, they're going to move on from Harris at some point. It's going to be Ramondre Stevenson for the remaining future of the season, next couple of years at least. And if he's pretty good, which I think he is, could be even longer than that. He's got a great skill set. He's got a workhorse level ability. And I love Ramondre Stevenson and the volume he might see, both in the rushing and receiving. And that's something you have not been able to say about a Patriots running back in a really long time. That's why he's my number one. And if Damon Harris does get hurt, fumbles, finds himself in the doghouse. Stevenson's going to be a guy who's going to be in your lineup every single week. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I love Ramon J. Stevenson. I love his value. I think people are just forgetting about you know him for some reason. And I brought up those specific running backs for a reason and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard played a decent amount last year. Zeke was hurt for most since week after week four. And that's what Tony Pollard did through 16 games. Ramon J. Stevenson didn't play the first four games of the season. Didn't start playing until week five. Was never the full-time starter except for the one one game I think he started because of the injury of Damian Harris. Damian Harris had 16 touchdowns, as you alluded to. And the guy still was productive week in, week out. Had more double-digit points than Tony Pollard did. Had two 20-point outbursts during that 12-game spurt. Never being the starter. So to me, this shows you that he can do it without – he's been efficient without being in the touches. There should definitely be touches regardless of how you believe this backfield is going to kind of pan out. Ramondi Stevenson showed he's going to be factored in the backfield. So as long as that happens, he definitely has RB3 value in my book, if not higher. Let's bring – we'll bring Danielle in here. Now, listen, Danielle, you know, if you, as a Patriots fan, who would you rather have the rest of the way? You'd rather have Ramondi Stevenson or you'd rather have Damian Harris? I personally would much rather have Ramondre. Ever since I saw him step foot on this field, I was like, who is this kid and why haven't we been playing him more often? With James White going down with a really bad injury this past season and apparently not being able to recover from it. And then Damian, I love him. He's been a great constant for the Patriots, but it's one of those things where I think he is 
phasing out of the Patriots offense. It's a new running backs time. And I think Ramondre can easily be that like running back one for the Patriots. And I'm really excited to see him this season because with the whole coaching fiasco in New England, I feel like they are going to stick with running the ball a lot. Totally, totally, totally agree. There's going to be a lot for those two guys to be able to feed off of. So that's going to pretty much do it for today's show. We're going to be back tomorrow, 10 p.m., on our YouTube channel, on BellyUp.tv. Make sure you follow us on social media, at Show because we're going on the road, Chris. We're going on the road. You, me, and Adam actually have a very long drive in front of us tomorrow, going all the way out to Canton, Ohio, for the Fantasy Football Expo us and a number of others from the Belly Up Fantasy crew. We have our booth. I believe it's booth, I want to say it's 36 or 38, something along those lines on Sunday. So make sure you come check us out. And here's the one thing you got you get that's really awesome with the Belly Up Fantasy booth. Because we have like four different shows and that many groups of people, we all have different giveaways. TSS is doing some giveaways, some family feud games. Uh, I know Mike Brown, the co-founder of Belly Up, he's got stuff from candidates to manscape to some t-shirts he's giving away we got stuff we're giving away we have goodie bags with some notepads and pens and koozies and little stress footballs so that way when you're sitting there on the couch and wondering why you guys haven't scored yet you can take some some stress out of your life with that too and we just have a lot of stuff and that's just on sunday but we're going to go through what our itinerary is going to be where we're going to be at friday and saturday leading up to the big expo day and you as the public can check it out you go to ffexpo.com or yeah, I think it's right. Ffexpo.com. Sign up. You can get the VIP tickets. Uh, you can get different tickets to different events that are going to be going on throughout the weekend. So it's going to be a really fun time. But we're going to give you our arrival to the expo live from the hotel room tomorrow night. We'll talk about some NFL latest news and all that jazz. So make sure you check us out there. Download this episode and all of our episodes on your favorite podcast app. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow. Everyone have a great day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.